from a biblical value or traditional value kind of thing, not theocracy at all, but we're talking traditional values and morality. If this election, if we're able to increase the Senate some and get the House, this America will change more in the next two years than we've seen it change in the last 30 years. This is Pastor George Pearsons, and welcome to this very special edition of the Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast. We're talking about faith for our nation, and I have our guest here, Buddy Pilgrim, and David Barton. We're so glad that you're here with us. We've been having an amazing time this week. Um, you know, as we've been as we've been talking about these things, I I haven't said a whole lot because I'm sitting here in amazement listening <laughs> to yes. what you're saying and making my notes because I want to preach them later on. <laughs> but David, thank you for what you do for the body of Christ. Amen. You you are you and uh, you are an apostle um, of I'm trying to think of what the apostle would be, but you're an apostle to the nation in what you do because it's a very unique calling. That God has given you, and tell me really quick, how did you get started? How far back did this go? I mean, you were at ORU the same time I was back right. in the seventies. How did you get started and in this direction? At ORU and thereafter, I, I was in church ministry even when I was in ORU. My, yeah. my paid job while I was working my way through ORU was churches, and so I did youth directors and associate pastors and right. music directors right. and director of Christian education, and that, that's my job. Yeah. And I grew up in the country. My, my country town was 220 people. I could ride my horse back and forth to work. It was five miles <laughs> each way, so I was in the country. Right. And four things I hated, yeah. law, Government, history, and politics. Oh, no. <laughs> Those four things. I stayed as far away from them as I could. I hated history at ORU. I hated history at high school. Uh, my elementary teacher got me started. My elementary teacher told me that George Washington had 26 illegitimate children, <laughs> giving new meaning to the phrase, Washington slept here. Oh, God. That's my view of American history, and I, I want nothing to do with that. And so... Uh, all of it, uh, wow. just absolutely, and God through a series of steps. A lot of it is this. Yeah. Uh, I, I came across two really old documents I had been taught about in school. Mm-hmm. When I read the original documents, yeah. they were opposite than what I'd learned in school. Mm. I'm going, whoa, time out. Wait a minute. Going on. Yeah. And so the more we collect and the more we see, yeah. I, I never heard altar calls in the courtroom, but there they are. You know, I, I never oh, heard David, about that's... abortion being an issue. There they are. So the more I get into actual history, yeah. truth is always a good thing. It just turns out that what I was being taught was not true, whether it was George right. Washington or anything else. When you find truth, it connects and it resonates and God has built us. Um, Ecclesiastes said he's put eternity in our hearts. He's put truth there. We recognize eternal truth. And so we respond well to that. So here I am now. And, yep. you know, I've learned that I'm supposed yep. to be tending the garden. I'm supposed to get tending involved with God's stuff. And there's no option for me. I mean, I just, this is what, this is what every yep. Christian should be doing is get involved with God's stuff. Yep. Just yep. really and, and, you know, the scripture you were talking about, tending God's garden, also occupy until Luke 19, 13, that's right. We are, we are responsible yeah. Wait, for there, that. There's no person that does it better than you, David. Yeah. You both understand the history and can teach that, and you understand the importance of being 
actively engaged today in this present time as well. And you impacted my life too when we were on a, on a broadcast a few years ago and you brought with you the stack of sermons that dealt with all of these different kinds of subjects. Mm -hmm. And it just really changed my mentality as a pastor of how I approach my pulpit. And it was the election cycle before this last one, uh, back when we did feel like we were muzzled. And I, and I started preaching on the, the platforms and thought I, was, I thought I was really stepping out on, on mm -hmm. some, some thin ice when it came to doing that. But then the next cycle that came around, there's, there's like an emboldenedness to yeah. do this. And now on this one, hey, let's go for it. Yeah. But we thank you for what you have done and are doing for the body of Christ. Amen. It's so important. And I want to, if I can, I want to take a historical example to kind of expand on something you said, uh, Luke nineteen thirteen, occupy till yeah. I come. Yeah. I want to go to the end of World War II because one of the things we do not get in history today, and I did not know this until just a matter of a year or so ago, was the Japanese in World War II were the ISIS of the day. And they literally were, they loved death. They thought death was a glorious thing. Uh, even if they're losing, if they died, it's great. Uh, one of our Medal of Honor winners, John Bastalone, was facing, uh, he had his group of machine gunners on, on Guadalcanal was facing just waves of Japanese coming at them. And they were bonsai ways. And so the Japanese, the first guys, would throw themselves on the razor wire to hold it down so everybody else could step on them and go over. Wow. And so being killed was... So his group ends up killing 3,000 Japanese. And they would not stop coming. Um, at nighttime, he would have to move his guns. And in front of one of those machine guns was 38 bodies piled up in front. They just keep coming up the hill. They're just getting mowed down, wouldn't stop. And then I find out, we talked to Ed Harrell, who is uh, the only living survivor, now Marine, of the USS Indianapolis, the, the ship that sank in World War II, greatest loss of naval life in any single ship in history. And, and, and talking with Ed about what was, what was going there, uh, he showed me what, what they called two-man torpedoes. You know what a torpedo is, mm -hmm. but the Japanese had manned torpedoes. They would put men in the torpedoes to guide the torpedo to hit the ship. And so it, it's a suicide bomber. They taught their young people how to do suicide bombs, 3,400 suicide oh bombs. Uh, they beheaded. The, the officers would have beheading competitions to see which officer could behead 100 POWs the fastest. And so the, there were actually more beheadings by the Japanese than there were, if you take all the people killed in the two atomic bombs, the Japanese beheaded more than were killed in the two atomic bombs. And so you take that culture of death, and that's why we dropped the atomic bombs, because Japanese were losing, they've already lost Germany, they've lost Italy, they've lost mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. That's fine, death is a great thing. Yeah. And so we dropped the atomic bombs because it, we're looking at numbers of anywhere from one to 15 million that will be killed if we have to do an invasion. Yeah. So. You take that culture of death, that warlike culture, the, the emperor is God, and Douglas MacArthur goes in, and Douglas MacArthur is in charge of the occupation forces in right. Japan. Right. And he says, we need missionaries here now. We need Bibles here now. So MacArthur calls for spiritual help. I've got a letter from President Truman where he's saying the only way we're going to rebuild is through spiritual rebuilding. So he gets into all this. So what you look at now is seven years after World War II, with the Japanese in that condition, they're fully accepted back into the nations of the world 
and they're a completely different nation. Their economy is different, their yes. beliefs are different, yes. their philosophy is different, their education. Mm -hmm. That's what an occupation <laughs> is. And yeah, so yeah. occupy yeah. till I come, that's, that's Douglas MacArthur. That, that is go in and change things and get them shifted back right. When Jesus said occupy till I come, you be that occupation army that goes in and gets things lined up and gets it right and get it, get it where it's working well. Yeah. And look at, look at the boom that Japanese economy and everything yeah. is today, the, the nation, how far they are from where they were. Right. We're talking seven years of occupation army, and they were a different nation. And so that, that's a good illustration of, of that Bible verse. And that's what about. we are to do. That's what the church Occupy is to do. Come. That's what the body of get Christ involved is in, to do. Get involved in the economy and yeah. education, get involved in religion, get involved <laughs> right. in the military, get involved in everything. Right. That's an occupation army. You reach, that's what we did in Germany. Not Remember a bad example from a guy who didn't like history. Exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> well, David, you have a, a website, wall builders, that people, wall builders that people can go to. There's so many resources that he has on there. Uh, I was looking at it earlier this morning, and just the information is endless of what you have. So I would encourage you to go to Wall Builders, and the information is up there for you, as well as going to Buddy's website, Integrity Leadership. IntegrityLeadership.org. There's an article on there now called Freedom is Under Attack. And when you read it, you'll think I probably just wrote it maybe last month. Yeah. I actually wrote it several years ago, but I went back wow. and read it recently, and it is so relevant to what's going on today and what's at stake. You know, you, you gave us a list of five issues for this week, yeah. David. Life, yeah. marriage, judges, Israel, and religious freedom. Mm -hmm. Freedom is still under attack mm -hmm. in this country, and if we don't take our stand, uh, we'll, we'll end up being defeated. So it's important for us to take our stand. Right. A, talk about some of those issues as yeah, well. Please. Israel, how important it's been. Well, you know, Trump, President Trump just moved the uh, U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Talk about that and, and the other and connect issues. connect it, if you can, connect it as well to the upcoming midterm elections and how, how important, significant, and how, how dangerous it could be to our government if people do not get out there and vote. I will tell you that American elections have consequences all over the world. Yeah. I was mm -hmm. just in Israel, um, took a, a group over and, and go there regularly. Yeah. And our, our, our tours are a little different because they're not touristy. There's a lot of Bible in them. But we also get with political leaders and with military leaders. Mm -hmm. And so we were with uh, one of the top leaders on security in, in, in Israel. And they are... Their attitude is, we cannot tell you how different it is to have President Trump in. The, the way we cooperate on things, the information, intelligence, because um, the, under President Obama, it was the worst relations with Israel in modern history. No, no relation with Israel has been worse. Yeah. Under Trump, it's the best that it's been in modern history. Yeah. And so being there with those leaders, the political leaders, and they don't care what about politics. They care about Israel. And, and yeah. so the whole tone has changed on Israel. Now, there, there are a lot of dangerous spots in, in, the, in that part of the world. You know, Russia's a problem. Uh, I was asked to go to Ukraine and help in Ukraine. They want a new constitution. They wrote theirs immediately after they broke away from the Soviet Union. And at that time, there were the 200 Russian snipers that were shooting all the Ukrainians and, and, and you know, wiped out so many Ukrainians. Ukraine was a real problem because Ukraine had nuclear weapons. We, America, got Ukraine to give up the nuclear weapons. And the reason we did, we said, look, if Russia comes after you, we will, we will be there to defend you. Yeah. Russia came after them. We weren't there to defend them. And so the, 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 Russia has the largest military in Europe. The second largest military in Europe is Ukraine. 
Russia wants Ukraine's military because that's yeah. that was the the heart of Russian military right. when Ukraine broke away. That military went with them. And, and so Ukraine is a Christian nation. They are over 90% Christian. They openly call themselves a Christian nation. We would not go help them. And now Russia has had them under thumb for, right. for the last number right. of years. Right. Right. Poland is a Christian nation. By the way, Poland, the people of Poland voted and said, we don't want abortion in our country. They recently had a vote in Poland and said, we want the Sabbath back. We're going to not work on the Sabbath. The Whoa. people of Poland are voting... When I go to Poland, I feel like I am 1950s America. I'm watching Leave it to Beaver and Father Knows Best. And, I mean, it, it, it is so cool. Every politician we talk to, prime minister, brings up God first. I mean, that's the first wow. thing they want to talk about. So you look at nations like that. Yeah. The problem with Poland is it's under the thumb of Russia because mm-hmm. Poland has none of its own energy. It gets all of its natural gas from Russia. And if they make Russia mad, Russia just shuts off the spigot. And so there's this blackmail thing going on with Russia over Poland. And so we were there recently, took a congressional delegation over and met with the deputy prime minister and the prime minister and the the secretary of the interior, et cetera. Mm. And the secretary of the interior was saying, you know, our problem here in Poland is that we don't have energy independence. And as a result, we rely on what Russia does. Um, but he said, your energy secretary, Rick Perry, was just over here, and we were telling him the problem, and he leaned back and said, how much uh, natural gas do you, do you need? And, and the prime minister said, well, and I forget the number, but it was something like yeah. 180 billion cubic feet a month. Yeah. <laughs> and Perry says, we just happen to have 180 billion cubic feet a month of natural gas we can get you. <laughs> so now Poland gets all of its natural gas from us. Now Poland provides it to Ukraine because of America. That's two nations that are now free from Russia. But that's also, we were not allowed to drill under Obama, and so we weren't, we weren't exporting right. natural gas. Now right. we're exporting natural oh, yeah. gas. And it's changing the world. We were, we were literally talking about that at lunch yesterday, about how there are so many different issues that you don't think are related to Christian views or a mm-hmm. Christian worldview or a biblical view, things like that, energy production mm-hmm. in the United States. And the changes that have been made, literally talking about this same thing yesterday about what President Trump and this administration has done to free up exploration, to free up exports of energy right. out of the United right. States, right. to go to Europe because Europe, not just Poland, but really all of Europe is under the thumb of Russia. Most of Europe gets the majority of their natural gas right. from, Russia. from Russia. And Putin is not, he, you know, he's certainly not a Christian. He's not friendly to the values that we would share. And he wants to keep an oppressive hand over all of those uh, European states over there, not just Poland, not just to the Ukraine. And the more that we can do in the United States to provide energy yeah. to that country, not only is that good for the balance of trade and all these things in the United States and for jobs and the economy here, but it helps keep freedom yeah. present well, see, in Europe. The, the other thing, when we're in Poland with this congressional delegation, what was interesting was Poland, when they broke away from the Soviet Union, like Valenza and Solidarity and everything that happened back in 79, 80, 81, right. when they broke away, they created their own government. So they have a parliamentary system. They have all, but they didn't know what to do with the judges. So they kept the Soviet style of judges. Mm. And to this day, Poland has the old Soviet style of judges, mm-hmm. which means each judge in Poland gets to select their own successor. The people don't have any voice. The parliament doesn't have any voice. The president. So the judges, I mean, it's this incestuous thing if yeah. they get their own. So what happens was the people said, no, we won't like America does. We want something different. Right. And so the polling was over 80 percent. Over 80 percent of the nation wanted something different judges. 
when just before we were there, the ambassador was still the the uh, Obama ambassador because the Senate's refusing to, to confirm all these nominees, and so the the ambassador in Poland came out and excoriated the Polish people publicly, went after the president, pub, the president of Poland publicly and said, no, this is terrible. This is, this is going backwards. If you do this, America will not support you. And so people don't want to change the judicial system anymore. And it's corrupt. And, and so while we were there with the congressional delegation, they went back and reported and said, ah, you got to get rid of this guy because he's killing us over there. And so now we have a different ambassador in there and a different thing happening with the people. See, America brings freedom all over the world in yes. ways we don't think yes. of. We yes. think about our pocketbook, our economy. We think about issues here at home. But, I mean, you're right. All over Europe, they rely on, on Russia. How much better to rely on the United That's States right. than Russia? That's and right. when you have freedom in general you'll have a better environment for religious freedom as well. And, and see what's happening yep. now. Yeah. Hungary, the, the president yep. of Hungary is Christian. He has openly come out now in Christian ways we have not seen. The same with Poland. The religious liberty is going up in Poland. Uh, all of those countries, Czechoslovakia is moving that yep. way. Even Denmark is moving that way of all, of all places. Mm -hmm. You know, more, much more socialist. But there is a wave that's happening, and America has helped produce that. And so this election, there's a lot at stake. And there's a lot at stake because if we, we talked yesterday, over 400 bills have passed the House that are waiting in the Senate. So yep. many of them yep. are God, godly value bills. If we lose the House, then we'll, 400 bills will not be there next session. Right. If we don't increase what's in the Senate then we won't get them passed. We're two to three votes away from getting most of those things passed. And by the way, didn't point out yesterday, but 240 of the bills that are sitting in the Senate right now were passed by 400 total votes in the House, which means Democrats voted for them as yeah. well. So 240 bills where you have Democrat-Republican agreement. In the Senate, the Democrats have said nothing gets through. We want his yeah. agenda going nowhere. Yeah. Well, even the Democrats in the House are voting for it. The people want it. And it's just not getting there. So this election is huge. There's something that started. We've got a great Supreme Court justice. We have great justices down under that are being put on the court. That's going to affect us for years to come in a righteous way. But it all stops this election if Christians do not show up in big numbers yep. and vote in big numbers for righteousness issues with an eye yes. to the future. And yes. we, we have the numbers of the future. to turn we, the course. We have the, we have the, num we have the numbers to determine have the, the course. Easily. Easily right. have the numbers. It, easily. It, it's not, it would not even be close. We, you know, we had coverage here on election night. And, and Michelle Bachman and I were, were here, and it was a lot of fun. And I told everybody, hey, look, I, I said, we're not, this is not going to be a late election night. We're going to be done shortly after midnight. We got done at 1, and that surprised everybody because they thought it would be a 3 or 4 in the morning kind of right, thing. Right. And it was actually here on this network that we called the presidential election before the other guys did. You know, because yep. you remember, yep. are you sure? Yeah, we can call it. The numbers uh -huh. are there. So we called it before the other guys did because they couldn't believe that Hillary hadn't won it. So we were looking at the numbers. We've got the same. Same, same capacity. With, with all this there, and it was because Christians showed up at a higher rate, percentage-wise, and it was only 2 or 3% higher on Christians. Christians normally are 23, 24, 25% of the vote. There were 28% of this vote. That extra 3% put everything in a different direction. Yeah. And so if you have an extra 5 or 6% show up this time, it will not be close. We have to increase races. the Senate, and we have to keep the House. That's right. That's, That's what has to happen and that, in order for us for an eye to the future for biblical values. And like you said before, not every Republican is a believer. Nope. Uh, but the, the 
And not every Democrat's a pagan. That's right. (laughs) They vote that way a lot of times. (laughs) Yep. And, and, you know, we talked about that vote yesterday. Only six Democrats voted to not kill a baby once it's born on the table. That's unbelievable to me that that many Democrats say it's okay to kill a baby. Well, so often they will say, I'm I'm pro-life personally, but policy-wise, you know, I'm pro-choice. Well, there's no such thing as being pro-life one way and and pro-choice another. Because, well, I'm against murder, but if you want to murder someone, I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, that's what it says. No, God's not going to buy that. He said, if you see someone being led and you don't intervene to stop it, blood's on your head. And to say, I'm personally opposed, blood's on your head. Because you have the votes, especially if you're a member of Congress. You have the votes to stop this thing and shut it down. In the Senate, two more votes would be able to get that bill passed to end all of those, those deaths on the table that, that now occur. I mean, there is so much that can be done. And as, as, from a biblical value or traditional value kind of thing, not theocracy at all, but we're talking traditional values and morality. Yeah. If this election, if we're able to increase the Senate some and get the House, this America will change more in the next two years oh, than we've seen it God. change in the last 30 years. Praise it, God. It, it's going to take a ruling of the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, but it doesn't take a ruling of the Supreme Court to put in place the 20-week ban on abortion. That's that right. is to, to ban the abortion of a baby in the womb that is 20 weeks old or to pass the Born Alive Act, which will protect those babies who have been born alive during a botched abortion That's right. so that they can't be killed. After and it only abortion. takes yeah. one more Supreme Court justice, only one more to overturn Roe v. Right. Wade. Yeah. And there's four right now willing to do it. And, and so, you know, that, that's going to be tumult across the nation. The other side is going to riot and do what they do, and that's fine. But it's going to save millions of lives, and God's going to say, you know, that's a policy I can bless. Amen. I can bless Amen. that nation for that policy. And our vote, it does, it does count, because we've been talking about on these broadcasts the power of one vote. And, I mean, I have a, I have a book that I kind of keep with me on, on various mm-hmm. things concerning political and all of that. You're, and, and you're a pastor. You can't have political stuff in there. <laughs> got all kinds of it's political biblical stuff. stuff. I, we said that facetiously because earlier in the week we talked about all the stuff they I mean, call political is biblical. Here, here's a letter. This is Kenneth's partner letter from 2016 of April. Look what he wrote at the top. Vote. Vote. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. And, and looking through this and seeing the impact, your ballot is your seed. And then yeah. looking at what the founders had said about the power of the vote. And, you know, just before we went on the air, we were talking about uh, uh, the election with uh, John F. Kennedy and, and Richard Nixon, and how that was that a half was a vote raised... a precinct. One half a vote a precinct wow. would have changed the outcome of that election. One half so, a vote. We have a responsibility. Yeah. We have a mandate, and in that mandate, we are going to increase the Senate. We are going to keep the House, and we're going to have judges. Judges who are righteous Amen. judges, judges who have biblical principles. We believe that. Father, we claim it in the name of Jesus for this next election. We receive righteousness in our nation. We decree it. We declare it. And we believe that the body of Christ is in the midst of an awakening. And this awakening includes what our, what our responsibility is in this nation. We will tend the garden and we will occupy until Jesus comes. In the name of Jesus, we agree. Oh, Father, we praise you for that. We honor you and we glorify you in that mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Wow. We'll be right back. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching from Kenneth Copeland Ministries. And remember, Jesus is Lord. 